my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, though um, we are celebrating Memorial Day this weekend, we also are beginning the Rogation Days, which is why we had our Rogation Day procession, um, because today is Rogation Sunday. Now, that name comes from a Latin word that means prayer or asking, and it's based on our Lord's statement from the beginning of today's gospel passage, where he said, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, that will he give it you. Sometimes we forget that the English word pray has its roots in an older usage that simply means ask. So think, for example, when you hear in Shakespeare or maybe at Renaissance fairs, someone saying, pray tell, or prithee, which means, of course, please tell, or I ask you, respectively. Today begins this mini-season of the church year that we call Rogation Tide, a season that only lasts four days. It's only today through Wednesday. It's those last four days before Easter. I'm sorry, before the Ascension, the last four days of the Eastertide season. Rogation Tide is a period that has traditionally been set aside for prayer, but especially for prayer for God's provision through the coming year. So that's often marked by vesting the church in violet on Monday through Wednesday, um, signifying that Rogation Tide is a, um, is a is time... is that the Rogation days are days of solemn supplication, as our prayer book puts it. So it's not quite a time for fasting, but it is still solemn and prayerful in its nature. Um, that violet always being those seasons of penitence, those seasons of reflection, those seasons of increased prayer. You will find special, uh, special collect, epistle, and gospel for the Rogation Days on page 261 in your prayer book. We prayed those and read those as part of our procession this day. But I would encourage you to include those readings as part of your devotions for the next three days. So other than the special readings, the Rogation Days were traditionally a time that marked the beginning of spring, especially when we would do prayers for the planting to be fruitful. In England, it also became a time to revisit the parish boundaries, uh, which developed into a custom called beating the bounds, and we did a little bit of that in between service. The people would process around the parish boundaries with readings, psalms, uh, the litany, and things like that. And it's important to remember that in England, the parish is more than just the church's property. That's why we could do it in between services, because we just have the church's property here. But in England, the parish is the geographic area that the, that the church serves. And you'll find kind of remnants of this in um, Louisiana, where they don't have counties, but they have parishes. A lot of Europe is kind of the same way. So that's, that's what they would do in England. They would resolve boundary disputes. It would be a time when um, justice that had been lingering or kind of on the back burner would be served. And all these customs are naturally rural or agricultural, um, but they're a reminder that the prayer book's tradition is essentially something that is earthy or even incarnational, if you will. Even though most of us are urban or suburban folk here in this congregation, I think it can be good to, to be reminded of that connection 
we have to the land and to all of God's creation. So believe it or not, this connection to creation also connects us to the emphasis today's gospel puts um, for Rogation Tide, that emphasis where we prayerfully prepare for the Lord's ascension. That, that connection to the creation does prepare us for the ascension. So let's look at our gospel, John 16, verse 23, beginning at verse 23. John 16, 23, page 176 in your prayer book. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Our gospel readings from the last three Sundays have all been from John 16, part of Jesus' discussion with the apostles at the time of the Last Supper. All three of those gospel passages have been about preparation. They've all been preparatory. Two weeks ago, we read the passage that comes right before this one, immediately precedes today's gospel reading, and Jesus in that passage was preparing them for the sorrows that would come because of his suffering and his death, but he was also preparing them for the joys that would come because of his resurrection. Last week, we had the first part of John 16, in which Jesus tells them uh, that when he goes to the Father, he will send the Comforter, so that became a preparation for Pentecost, which will happen two weeks from today. Pentecost is always 50 days after Easter. Well, today, he tells them that when he goes to the Father, they will be able to pray to the Father in Jesus' name. And in all three readings, we have this expectation that Jesus is going to the Father. And that's what happens at the Ascension. We'll talk about this a little bit more Wednesday night when we celebrate uh, the Feast of the Ascension. But we need to recognize that Jesus' return to the Father was not merely spiritual. Just as Jesus' resurrection was bodily, it was a bodily resurrection, Jesus' ascension was a bodily ascension. That is, just as he physically rose from the dead, and if you remember, St. Saint, uh, Thomas was doubting our Lord's resurrection until he touched the wounds. He could actually touch those wounds. Well, also, his physical body rose up to heaven at the ascension. What that means is that one of us, a human being, is sitting at the right hand of the Father, as we confess in the creed. The incarnation never ended. God the Son, the second person of the blessed Trinity, became man, is man, and will be man forever and ever, world without end. Amen. This helps us to see one of the reasons why we're supposed to pray in Jesus' name. That phrase, in Jesus' name, is not a magical formula that obligates God to answer our prayers. That's not what it's about, right? 
It's not simply a liturgy we use when we're doing a non-liturgical prayer. It's, it's rather praying in Jesus' name means that we are praying with Jesus' authority. We are praying as co-heirs with Christ who have been united to him by and to his death and resurrection in the sacraments of baptism and the Eucharist. In our gospel, Jesus said that the Father himself loves us because we have loved Jesus and believe that he came from God. So in other words, our trust in Jesus, that is our faith in Jesus, is the basis for our access to the Father. You may recall that our catechism teaches that faith is necessary to receive the benefits of baptism in the Eucharist, that is, um, our new life and our communion with Christ. And you may also recall from Articles 10 and 11 in the 39 Articles of Religion in the back of your prayer book that we can't drum up this faith by ourselves, but rather we need God's grace to have faith in the first place. Even our faith, even our trust in Christ is a gift from God. So what does praying in Jesus' name then look like? Well, first of all, it needs to be consistent with his will as revealed in the scriptures. We can't pray for something sinful and expect God to honor that prayer. We can't pray damnation on our brother and expect God to honor that prayer. We can't pray for God to enable us in wickedness or foolishness and expect God to honor that prayer. So the implication for that is that we will pray better when we know our Bible better. And we discuss in our 16-week class on W.H. Griffith Thomas's book, Methods of Bible Study, that we finished last week, we discuss that the only way you're going to know Scripture better is to spend time in the Scriptures. It's a long walk in the same direction. So that way, we end up learning what is good and beautiful and true, as St. Paul tells us. This is exactly what our collect is alluding to when we prayed earlier. O Lord, from whom all good things do come, grant to us thy humble servants that by thy holy inspiration we may think those things that are good and by thy merciful guiding may perform the same through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God gives us the good things. We know those good things from the scriptures. And so we need his inspiration that we may think about those good things and do those good things. Our epistle is all about doing those good things. We're not really touching upon that in the uh, homily today, but look over that throughout the week. Well, secondly, praying in Jesus' name means praying from a position of trust in Jesus. We pray because we know his goodness. We pray because of what he's done for us. How do we know we can trust him? Well, we know that because he died and rose again for us while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God. And we know that we can trust him because he's promised us eternal life and he's given us the pledge of that eternal life through his word and his sacraments. That means that it is appropriate to pray for the little things. Pray for those little things. I'm reminded of a preacher whose name I don't remember, unfortunately. <laughs> Might have been Billy Graham, one of his contemporaries, I don't know. But a lady asked him if it was okay to pray for little things, and he says, well, can you think of anything that's not little before God? Right? 
My mom always used to pray for parking places when we were growing up. And I think that's good, even if it seems a little trivial. It's a good thing because that prayer was a result of my mom's trust in her Lord. So pray for your health. Pray when you travel. Pray for your children or your siblings. Pray for good test results. Pray for salvation and repentance for your friends and family and even for your enemies. Sometimes we're too proud to pray for ourselves, and that's not a good thing. Don't be, of course, so self-centered that you only pray for yourself, but don't be too proud or falsely humble, which really is just another side of the coin of pride, right? Don't be too proud or too falsely humble to pray for yourself, as if your problems aren't worth God's time or as if you could take care of them yourself. Guess what? You can't. That's why we need God. And as a reminder, we have an excellent collection of standalone prayers in, in our Book of Common Prayer. Just after the morning and evening prayer is a section with all sorts of wonderful standalone prayers and thanksgivings. We read a couple of those during our procession, the ones for the Rogation Days, the prayer we just did for Memorial Days from that section as well. I was... Um, a few months ago, I was meeting with the folks that get together on Friday for uh, every other Friday for the intercessory prayer. And it occurred to me as we were going through that how one could easily spend hours in intercession just by going through those prayers in the prayer book. Also, the family prayer section at the end, it's the same kind of thing. Um, interesting procedural reason why they're not one section, but we can talk about this some other time. But you could spend hours just going through that list of prayers, applying it to the people and situation in your life. That's, that'd be some really good intercession right there. Well, third, praying in Jesus', Jesus name means praying so that we might have peace. Jesus concludes our gospel reading in the chapter with verse 33. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Some of you have gone through or are going through some really tough times. Some of you know tribulation quite intimately. Some of you are mourning. Some of you have good reasons to be anxious. Some of you feel overwhelmed with all the stuff going on in your lives and in the world. When we pray in Jesus' name, he gives us his peace. From the world's perspective, that often doesn't make any sense. After all, those situations, those things going on in life, don't usually just disappear or get resolved because we prayed. Sometimes they do, but oftentimes it doesn't happen that way. But nevertheless, when we pray, Jesus reassures us that he has indeed overcome the world. He reminds us of the long view. He helps us to be long-suffering, not faking a happy face that everything is fine, it's all just fine. Well, probably not fine. But we can realize, even when it's not fine, that Jesus is indeed in control, even when all the evidence of our lives points um, in a different direction. And I bet we could all sit around a campfire all night taking turns telling stories of when Jesus gave us his peace despite those tribulations of life. 
just trading back and forth. We could spend the whole night doing that. And when life seems so hard that we can't see his peace, those memories of when he gave us that peace and when he did answer our prayers help us get out of bed in the morning, helps us get back on our knees in prayer. I'm reminded of what the great Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon, he once said, God is too good to be unkind and he is too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. Again, remembering that that trust, that faith is a gift from him. Ultimately, that's the lesson of Rogation Sunday. We, go to, we can go to God in prayer in Jesus' name for Jesus' sake because Jesus has demonstrated in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension that God is good and wise and that he loves us. So we say, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Christ has overcome the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven.